Oh, Father, we thank you for a wonderful time in your presence. Thank you for this time. We ask as we go into your word tonight, you open our eyes and you open our hearts that we'll learn at your feet in the name of Jesus. Amen. And today's word will go out with power and with authority in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So uh, last week we started the book of Genesis and Exodus. Uh, we took both of them together uh, because uh, we started uh, a bit later than the old church. So we want to, we'll be doing it in two books until we catch up uh, with them. Then we'll go back to the uh, one one book. Uh, we looked at the book of Genesis, and um, one thing I told us last week was that the book of the, the Hebrew book, the Pentateuch, the first five books. Of Torah, uh, and that's what the Bible calls the law. When you see uh, uh, capital L in New Testament, so the Torah, uh, the, each of the books take their name from the first letter, uh, the first word in the book. Genesis, the first word in Genesis was Bereshit in Hebrew, and that means beginning. I would look. We talked deeply about that. The first word in Exodus is Shemot. Shemot means names. If you read Exodus chapter one, verse one, means it, uh, English version says these are the names of. So that word Exodus was was translated from the Septuagint version, the Greek version. I'll tell you also more about Septuagint version today. Uh, so we'll go into the the Exodus. I mean the Leviticus, the book of Leviticus. Uh, if you open your Bible to Leviticus chapter 1, verse 1, you see the first name or the first word in the book of uh, Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 1, verse 1. Okay, verse 1. And the Lord called out to Moses. So that's what the English Bible says. Uh, but the, the Hebrew version, uh, it starts with Vayikra. Vayikra means called. And that's the name, that's the Hebrew name of the book of Leviticus. But this particular the, uh, the book of Leviticus, uh, the name Leviticus was also gotten from the Septuagint version. Now, what was this Septuagint version that the, the, uh, the man has been talking about? Uh, a group of people, 70 of them, translated the original Hebrew Bible. To, uh, to Greek, uh, and that is what most people, and it's called the Septuagint version. So that's what most people, most English versions, take their source from, and that is why the name came uh, uh, Leviticus. Let's just read together Leviticus chapter 19, verses 1 and 2. Leviticus 19, verses 1 and 2. That's our memory scripture. Let's read together. I want to go. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the, all the congregation of the children of Israel, and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Praise the Lord. So, um, introduction. Leviticus is the third book of the Bible. It was written in continuation of Exodus that narrates the journey of God's people from Egypt through the wilderness. In the wilderness, God commanded Moses to make a tabernacle for him, a place of worship where people would meet with him. Having obediently fulfilled the construction of the tent of meeting and materials therein for holy service, God called unto Moses to show him how to serve and worship him occasioning the emergence of the book of Leviticus. Leviticus was written by Moses, the leader of God's people, used by him to lead Israel out of Egypt with great miraculous signs. The book, which was written in the wilderness, dates between 1450 to 1410 BC. The key characters are Moses, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithma. The key verse is Leviticus 19 to be. You must be holy because I, the Lord, your God, am holy. The common themes are holiness, sacrifice, and offering. However, holiness is mentioned more times, 152, in this book than any other book of the Bible. So this is uh, talking about the order of how people should worship um, God. God gave them order of worship and he 
emanated them that they must be holy. That they must be holy uh, as he is holy. They must be holy. That's it's just about holiness. 152 times uh, the word was mentioned in this book. Uh, in the book of Leviticus. So, uh, we're to discuss. Let's discuss a few things. Leviticus prescribes how God wants to be worshipped. The Lord God is holy and must be approached in holiness and with true worship. So, what is holiness? Maybe we should even, let's, let's look at that. What, in our own opinion, what is holiness? So, when God keeps saying, be holy, be holy, what does holiness mean? Yes, that, that's, that's very correct. However, the, the word holy uh, is actually, is, it means to be set apart, not to mix anything with. When we say something is holy unto the Lord, which means we are not using that thing for any other purpose, it's set apart for the Lord. Like the word holy matrimony means that this man and this woman have been set apart for themselves. Not necessarily that what they are doing inside the matrimony is clean or not blemished, but because they've been set apart. So the same thing with the word holy. God wants us to be set apart. He called the nation of Israel to be set apart for him. And that's the same thing he's calling us to do today. That we must be set apart. We must be, we must, we must be uh, in our worship. It must be him and him alone. Uh, chapters 1 to 7 talks about worshipping. Worshipping God cannot be done anyhow. And uh, we are living in a, in a contemporary age whereby we want to do things anyhow. But how to worship God? It has to be orderly. There's order in heaven. That's what we're meant to believe. And um, uh, 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 we can't just come to the presence of God and worship anyhow. Uh, God specifies, beginning from chapter 1, verse 1, describing our offerings, describing the offerings and how to make them. The sacrifices for shadows Christ. Can you help me please uh, read Hebrews 9, 9? Hebrews chapter 9, verse 9. This is an illustration hmm. pointing to the present time. For the gifts and sacrifices that the priests offer are not able to cleanse the consciences of the people who bring them. Hmm. So these this, um, um, sacrifices, the offerings, and all those things, they are for. They are for uh, what's it called? Illustration. Illustration. It's a foreshadow of Christ. It's just so. It's not. That was not what God uh, uh, was going after. It's just a foreshadow. Uh, let's go to chapters eight to ten. Aaron and his sons were consecrated before they could do their priestly duties. God doesn't use any vessel that he hasn't first consecrated for his holy use. Those of us who have been used by God, it's a privilege, I always say, uh, to be used by God, to be used for his service, to be used in his service. It's a, it's a, it's a deep, deep privilege. However, um, if you read the book, uh, all pastors should really, really study the book of Leviticus. It will tell you some of the things that we are not even allowed to do as, as priests. Uh, so, um, uh, just talk and, and, and looking, bringing it to the priest of Christ, priest of God, bringing it to the New Testament. That we can't just worship, we can't just come to God anyhow. We need to be purified um, as priests. We need to be sanctified. We need to be washed um, to be used and consecrated for His holy use. Aaron's sons, who didn't keep their consecration terms, were divinely struck dead. Explain some things that can constitute strange fire on altars today. Uh, coincidentally, Christ Apostolic Church, we are, uh, there's a conference for um, evangelists, prophets, and planters that is ongoing. Uh, and uh, uh, the president and the general evangelist just gave a sermon or an admonition. Uh, 
today, yesterday, they started yesterday, so they've been giving that admonition. That it is possible to be in sin and God keeps using you. Now, Aaron's sons were struck dead. But these days, people are struck dead spiritually because of strange fires that have been brought to the altar. So it may not be physical death. In fact, if it is physical death, it pays. But a lot of people are struck spiritually dead because they are bringing strange fire. And what, what are these strange fire? Let me just quickly um, explain that. Because of time, I just want us to put as many thoughts as possible into one. Um, what are these uh, strange fires? The Bible says they brought a fire not according to the specification God gave them. It was because they brought a fire. Uh, let's go to uh, chapter 10, verse 1 of Leviticus. You will see that the Bible talks about it uh, specifically. They brought a wrong specification. It was still fire. But it was not from the source that God commanded them. Chapter 10, verse 1. And Nadab, Ab, and, Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them a censer and put fire therein, and put incense thereon, and offered a strange fire from the Lord, which he commanded them not. Please, can you help me? Uh, do you, let's, let's read other versions of that. Uh, uh, Leviticus chapter 10, verse 1. Yes. That is different from the one God has commanded. I'm trying to look for another NLT. Let's look at it. Uh, okay, yes, if that's NLT you read, Abby. Yes, let me read in English, English Standard Version. Now, Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, he took his censer and put fire in it and laid the incense on it and offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. And thankfully, we're even talking about prophets, evangelists, and co uh, in the church that give unauthorized messages. Just today, we're talking about that. So, unauthorized kind of fire. Not, not that the fire was bad, but they took it from a place that was unauthorized. They offered a kind of fire that the Lord has not commanded. And that same fire um, uh, consumed them. I'm looking for if we have any other version. Okay. Okay, all of them use unauthorized and strange. Praise the Lord. Let's just go ahead. Praise the Lord. So, chapters 11 to 15. God is holy and his people must be holy. He specifically warned them against defilements to remain holy unto him. What is defilement in this part? Uh, the Bible says, especially about uh, people in the uh, uh, in the book of Revelation, it talks about people uh, who are virgins who have not defiled themselves with women. And if you're with me when I was treating the book of Revelation, you remember that we said um, defiling yourself with women in this sense is not necessarily fornication or people that have wives or people that are virgins till they die. No, what it means in adultery or fornication in this context is idolatry is defining yourself with other gods so where and that's part of what we're talking about and say that what is holiness holiness is separating yourself unto god not going and mixing with other gods not having other concubines you see the uh, Jesus, uh, god used that uh, same metaphor over and over in the bible whenever the children of israel go astray so um, that is the defilement we're talking about here. Uh, chapter 16, 6 to 17. Atonement is another strong theme in Leviticus. Despite the consecration of his people, God still set apart a day of atonement when they must atone for their sins to remove the guilt of sin. Christ has perfected this once and for all. So, um, 
I don't tell people that all through the Bible, God had always been a gracious God. The grace of God had always been in all dispensations. Uh, uh, some New Testament believers attempted to say that we're in a time of grace, that the Old Testament is a time of law. As if grace just started uh, in New Testament. They are very, very wrong in the sense that where God had been a gracious God from the beginning, God still set aside a day of atonement. If God was not gracious, immediately they sinned, he would kill them. But he gave a way out. Even after rapture, there's still a way out. That, so God has always been gracious and he will always be gracious. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Chapter 17, verse 11 forward, describes the sanctity of blood. Compare this with Hebrews 9.22 in the light of Genesis 3.1. What is the place of blood in redemption? Because of time, we won't read all those places. Um, we know that without the shedding of blood, there cannot be remission of sin. And now sancti the sanctity of blood. Uh, so a uh, uh, number of people have, have criticized the Bible says a very bloody book from the beginning, from Genesis, the, the sin, God had to kill a, a lamb to, to cover their neck. It has been blood from the beginning until Revelation. It's just blood, 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 blood. So that shows you um, the place of blood in redemption. The Bible is the, the book that tells us about the redemption of God, I mean of man, how God redeemed man. So it is filled uh, with so much, so much blood. Okay, uh, how can the believer achieve consecration and sanctification today when the blood of goats, rams, and cattle are no longer of any effect because Christ, because of Christ's perfect sacrifice? Is it only Gentiles that still sacrifice? So how do we ask, uh, how can a believer achieve consecration and sanctification? By accepting the blood of Jesus. We know that Jesus had died for us once and for all. All we just need to do is accept. Uh, a couple of years ago, I was talking to a, a Scientologist. A Scientologist that who believe the God of science, that they don't worship God, they believe in science, they think that science is God. And I was telling him that, you know you need more faith to be a Scientologist. You actually need to require more faith to be an atheist than it is to believe that there is God. Because everything around you shows you that there is a supreme being over there that is controlling these things. But for you to say that, oh, that's why everything I'm seeing, I don't, I, I don't think there is God, it requires more faith. So I was telling the Scientologists, I was we were talking about Darwin, Charles Darwin's evolution, you know. Charles Darwin believed that we man evolved from several species uh, to, to the layman. We evolved from monkey. But that was, that was not the real thing, but we evolved to become who we are. So I asked the guy, have you ever seen Charles Darwin? He said no. Have you ever ex examined the brain of Charles Darwin? He said no. Yet you believe Charles Darwin. So you, you, it requires more faith to believe in the things that are not of God. It requires more faith. So it is very easy to be consecrated and redeemed these days is to just accept the blood, the, the, the power in the blood, the redeeming power in the blood of Jesus. Chapter 18, verse 1, God prescribed some sexual practices for his people. Never learn or join the practices of the heathen. Chapter 23, God permitted some feast among his people, Sabbath, Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, Feast of Weeks, Trumpet, Day of Atonement. What are the significances of the holy feasts that the Israelites kept and how relevant are they to us today? God now wants true worshippers. Yes, uh, all these things are in the Old Testament. Uh, Sabbath, uh, we need, uh, let's look at Sabbath. Uh, maybe I'll just take one or two of these sacrifices, I mean, festivals. Sabbath, I think it's a principle of nature. We walk, 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 no time to rest. The, the day of Sabbath is supposed to be a day that you do nothing. You are just with your family and the uh, modern Jews, 
they, they what they do that day, they go to a family house or they go to a communal place or someone's house, and they, all they do is eat there and just uh, just be with friends and family. With that, they they they, they excel in their careers. They climb to the top of their careers. We that we work on Sunday, work on Saturday, work every day, we are still not getting promoted. So it is a law of nature to rest. It is a law of nature to find when you work, find a time to rest. And of course, Jesus is our rest. Jesus is our Sabbath. Um, the Passover, uh, unleavened bread. Okay, let's look at the feast of unleavened bread, and I will go to conclusion so that I can go to the book of Numbers and we'll soon finish. Uh, the feast of unleavened bread uh, is that the third day they will sweep out all the yeast in the whole of Israel. There will be no yeast in the whole of Israel that day. They will dispose of all their yeast. What are they doing in that feast of unleavened bread? What is the significance to us now? Yeast is, uh, you're a so you know, yeast is what raises the flour. So yeast is like sin. Yeast is what pops us up. Yeast is what makes us think that we are bigger than we actually are. So the, 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 the significance of the Feast of Unleavened Bread is to get out all the sin of self, all the sin, all the, all the atom of self from us. And we are whole and we are the kind of people that um, God wants us to be. Let me just quickly conclude and go to... Uh, book of Numbers. How are we doing with time? I think we're still good with time. Yes, uh, we're still good with time. Remember and regularly commit the memory scripture, Leviticus 19 to, to heart. Then endeavor to put it into practice as you go about your daily activities. It is obvious that God is interested in how we live our lives and relate with other people in all aspects of life. Therefore, holy living must be prioritized in all that we do as believers. Ask for the grace to live daily for God and to keep a holy relationship with everyone you come across everywhere. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Okay, uh, the book of Numbers. Numbers, the first word uh, is Bemibda. Bemibda means wilderness. Let's go to Numbers chapter 1, verse 1. Let's look at the first word. Uh, let's see how it was um, how it was coined in the English in the English translation. So, and the Lord spake unto Moses in the wilderness of Sinai. So you can see. So it is English that turned it. The first word in Hebrew is wilderness. And it got its name from the Septuagint, the Septuagint uh, uh, translation, who translated the book into Greek. So numbers mean because they, uh, they, were, they performed two censuses in this book alone. They counted the children of Israel twice in this book alone. So that was um, how they got their name. Okay, so let's just read, um, let's read the introduction, or let's, let's first start with the memory scripture, then we'll read the introduction. So let's go. Number six and seven. Are we good? Want to go? So they shall put my name on the children of Israel, and I will bless them. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Can you help us read the introduction? The book of Numbers is the first book of the Lord. Mm. It is called Numbers in the Greek Septuagint. Because of the two censuses taken of the twelve tribes of Israel in the desert. Mm. Imagine God's own people wandering and reaching their destination very late, with many of them dying in the wilderness. Mm. While it is a fairly short distance from Israel, Egypt to Israel, it took the ancient Jews 40 years to get there. Mm. This happened because their disobedience and lack of faith caused God to make them wander in the desert. Until all the people of that generation have died, mm. with a few important exceptions. The book draws its name from the census made of the people, a necessary step towards their organization and future government. Numbers was written to the people of Israel to document their journey to the promised land. Mm. But it also reminds all future readers of the Bible that God is with us as we journey to Praise the Lord. That is a very good uh, conclusion uh, of the thing that 
as it, it talks about the journey of the of the nation of Israel across the wilderness. So it's also telling us the foreshadow of our own journey to heaven uh, uh, in the wilderness of this of this earth, in the wilderness of this earth. So let's go to the discussion, chapters one to six. Proper preparation is imperative. Israel prepared for the journey to the promised land to show to show the imperativeness of stock taking and accountability. God instructed Moses to take a census of the entire Israelites and later the Levites. So planning, God is a, God is a master strategist. In fact, someone, someone said uh, using the word strategies for God is insulting because the strategist doesn't know tomorrow, he's just planning. God knows tomorrow, but permit us to use that word strategies for the lack of a better word. Uh, because God doesn't just do things accidentally. Things don't, don't, God doesn't play catch up. Things don't just uh, happen and God says, ah, wow, this thing is happening. So God is intentional and is a planner. So if God can tell Moses to plan and take a census of his people, eh, the journey was planned. They were divided according to tribes. Look, planning, planning. When Jesus was to feed, was to feed 5,000, he asked them to sit down in hundreds or fifties. He asked them to sit down in groups. So planning uh, is imperative when we are doing things. Not just physical things, also spiritual things. Uh, because we are, uh, we are quick to do, have this uh, emotional blackmail of uh, the Lord will take control. Uh, the Lord is good all the time. All those uh, emotional blackmail um, uh, can at times make us to think that uh, the Holy Spirit will take control, the Holy Spirit will take charge, and we forget to plan. So planning is imperative. Proper preparation, like they say, prevents poor performance. Number two, the most famous passage in Numbers is the priestly blessing in chapter 6 verses 24 to 26. How significant is that to Christians today? Let's read that. Numbers 6, 24 to 26. Numbers chapter 6, verse 24. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give you peace. And they shall put my name upon the children of Israel, and I will bless them. Um, coincidentally, this, this is usually called in theology, ironic blessing. Uh, and um, I, I just fall in love with this blessing. I, if, you, if you notice that I do say it uh, after, almost after every service. Uh, so, and that's one of the most uh, important or most, uh, that's one of the most famous passages in the book of Numbers. How is it important for us today? We still need God's blessing. We still need God to keep us. Especially these days. Now we have to rush and close Bible study on time because uh, of the of the security warnings that we've gotten that we should, nobody should stay out late and things like that. The Lord still needs to keep us. Well, the Bible says, except, uh, uh, except the Lord watches over his Those who watch over his the watchmen watch in vain. So, the Lord still need to keep us. The Lord still, we need the face of the Lord to shine upon us. Praise the Lord. Chapters 11 to 21. A lack of experiential knowledge of God usually brings disaster. How did that affect Miriam, Aaron, and the people themselves? Now, because I think it was when uh, Miriam and Aaron were wondering that is the only Moses that God speaks through. Uh, Aaron is Moses' brother, uh, Moses' cousin. Uh, Miriam is Moses' sister. It was Miriam that went to drop Moses at the at the bank of the river and waited till the daughter of Pharaoh came to bath, and she was the one that went to the daughter to say, "Let me go and bring a nanny." So she will, she will, at times, if she's not careful, she will be telling story over Moses. Ah, is it not us? Are we not? Thank you very much. And in my own opinion, although this was not written in the Bible, I feel it is over, over familiarity. 
And how overpopulated is, is killing a lot of people today. You are familiar with the pastor, you are familiar with the, uh, with the boy that the Lord is using. Is he not my son? Is he not my father? Um, um, who, uh, okay, it was in seminary. One of our lecturers was telling us that, um, was talking to about pastors. That pastors, you're going to likely to start having challenges when the Lord starts using your children. Your sons, your biological children. Because a child will always be a child in the front of the father. That pastors, if you're not careful, you're going to start having issues when, you're, when the Lord starts using your children. Because in your face, it's you not. So in, in Miriam's face, it's you not Moses. They are the only God they talk to. And because of that, she became leprous and she died. In fact, that was the end of, 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 of Aaron. God just told Aaron, don't worry, just go. In fact, the way God killed Aaron, God told him to climb the mountain. Like God told him, you are going to die, so I climbed the mountain. He climbed the mountain. Moses stripped him of his priestly robe, put it on his son Eliezer, and God killed him dead in front of the, of the people. So, over familiarity at times, these guys were familiar with Moses. And what they were even criticizing Moses for, in all fairness, we can even say it's the truth. Chief, you had seen, uh, you went to take a Kushite wife. You are the one that said, oh, you know, my, from among these people. You are the one that not gave the law. He now went to take a Kushite wife. Praise the Lord. Let's, 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 read, um, let's read it. Numbers 11, Numbers 10, verse 11. Numbers 10, verse 11. Numbers 10, verse 11. And it came to pass on the 28th and 22nd month of the second year, cloud was taken up in the tabernacle, and the children of Israel took their journeys out in Sinai, blah, 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 blah. Eh? Uh, okay, I don't think it's here. Oh, uh, no. Okay, maybe you should look. Uh, no. Oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, 14 is uh, is up to chapter 14. Um, uh, it's a long, it's a, it's a long read. I was thinking it's too. Okay, let's not because uh, it's a long read. Uh, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get it. So, but it was a. Uh, um, uh, it, it was a, it was a, Meekness is power under control. Meekness is meekness. A number of people um, uh, uh, confuse or misplace misinterpret meekness to be humility or gentility. No, meekness is your, I have power to destroy you, but I can control myself not to use that power to destroy you. That is meekness. Meekness is Jesus can call down a, a legion of angels on his enemies, but he chose not to, he withdrew himself, that's meekness. So, Moses could call down fire to consume these people. Moses could command the ground to open up and swallow them, but he chose not to. Go on. 
uh, and the Lord spake suddenly to Moses and unto Aaron and unto Miriam, Come out, ye three, from the congregation. And they came out, and the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and stood at the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Moses. And they both came forth. And he said, Hear now my words. If there, is, there be any prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known unto him in a vision, and I will speak unto him in a dream. My servant Moses is not so, who is faithful in all my... Go uh, uh, on and on and on and on. And the anger of the Lord, verse 9, kindled against them, and he departed. And the cloud departed from the tabernacle. And behold, Mo Miriam became leprous, white as snow. And, and Aaron looked upon Miriam. And behold, she was leprous. And Aaron said unto Moses, Alas, my Lord, I beseech thee, lay not the sin upon us, whereas we have sinned foolishly. Let her not be just gone. So she became immediately she became leprous. Why? Because of her familiarity. Is it not the same Moses? Hey, Moses. You were even calling him the kind of name they were calling him when he was here. You understand? Ah, is it not you? So we need to be careful. Um, I think it was Pastor Chris Oyakilume that was giving a sermon long ago. I was a teenager, and that was that helped me because I have a I have a father who is a pastor. He said, "Mr. Chris Oyakilume is different from Pastor Chris Oyakilume. At home, you are daddy to your father, but when you get to church, when you start preaching, it's pastor. It's different. So those of us who are close." To ministers of God, especially those of us who see their their weaknesses, we see everything. Huh? Is it not daddy? Is it not my mom? Hey. When we see everything, we see them in their weak, in their in their vulnerable, in their close state, in their vulnerable times. We tend to 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 take them for granted. The very the active word here is that verse to the end of verse two. What they say. And the Lord heard it. God will help us in Jesus' name. They will not take the people of God close to us for granted in Jesus' name. Amen. Numbers 11. Compare verses 1, 10, and 33. Okay, let's read 11. Numbers 11, verse 1, verse 10, and verse 33. Hmm. Hmm. The Lord anger blazed against them, and he sent a fire to wind among them, and he destroyed some of the people in the outskirts of the camp. Hmm. Verse 10. Moses heard all the families standing in the doorways of their tents, whining, and the Lord became extremely angry. Moses was also very aggravated. Then 33. Okay, so we have to compare these three. Uh, uh, where is it? What made the Lord so angry? Do you think the same thing makes him angry today? Now, what made the Lord angry in this passage? They were complaining to God. They were, they were more mourning. Always complaining. Never appreciating. Okay, you want me to be You are complaining. You want me to be And so because of that, God set fire. Moses too was angry, was like these people, don't just kill yourself. You want me that God gave them. While they were eating the meat, God struck them. So when we don't have a grateful heart, when we are ungrateful, it is likely for God, if not even likely, God will be displeased with us. God will be displeased with us. We must always wear a grateful heart, must always have a grateful heart where a grateful look. For 40 years, the people wandered in the desert until the faithless generation was consumed. Foolishness robbed believers of their God-given prosperity. So when we don't, when we lack faith, when we don't appreciate God for the things He's done for us, it robs us of our possession. The things that we should get, the blessing that we should get. It usually rolls off of, of that. What did 
Moses do wrong in chapter 20, verses 1 to 13. Despite being the meekest, chapter 12, verse 3, do you think the punishment is too severe? Why? This was when God asked Moses to speak to the rock and he struck the rock. What, 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 do you, number one, do you think the punishment was too severe? If it was too severe, why? If it's not too severe, why? And what did he do wrong? Okay, let me just tell us what he did wrong. God told him to speak to the rock. He told him to smooth the rock twice. And there was a time that God had told him to smite the rock, he smote the rock. But he repeated that same thing here. And God said he didn't honor his name in the presence of the people. So what he did wrong in that place is because the Lord, the Lord looks at the heart. Where the, it is human beings that look at uh, the face, the outer skin. So God has seen in his heart that it was not, he didn't do that from a place of honor for the Lord. So do we think that God told him he will never get to the promised land? He prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. He got to a time, God told him, it's all right, don't you ever speak about this thing to, with me again. Do you think that punishment was too severe? It's either a yes or a no. I don't think it was Okay. That's why we need to be careful mm. in our dealings with people. Those people that actually push him to death and yeah. Christ. Because he knows his God. He knows the kind of God he said that mm. God is a personified and God is also a kind God. So, um, when God tells us to do some things at times, you should not look at what other people see. Mm. God bless you. Uh, okay, chapters 22 to 25. God frustrated the conspiracy of King Balak and Balaam, a local sorcerer and prophet against Israel. What finished the people? Balak. What finished the people, Balak, Balaam conspiracy or their own sin? What Satan cannot do in a believer's life, sin can do it. So, um, let me just quickly tell you the, the summary of this. Uh, 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 Balaam, uh, Balak needed to curse, I mean, Balaam recruited Balak to curse the children of Israel. But when he done everything, he said that he couldn't curse them. And he said the only reason, the only way he can curse them is when they sin. So, the devil knows that you can only be caught when you fall into sin. He knows there is a shield around you. You can only fall, you can only be entrapped when it gets you to sin. So, that's why they said that what Satan cannot do in a believer's life, sin can do it. That is just, um, let's, let's quickly move on. Um, chapters 26 and 27. Moses organized an army and commissioned Joshua to succeed him. God gave them instructions on offerings and feasts. Why 
the problem. Why the problem of succession today? Yes. Why? Why do we have succession problems today? Because, I mean, don't let's, don't let's shake the table too much, you want. <laughs> Why do we have succession problems today? Greed. 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 Uh, there's, a, there's an adage in Yoruba land that uh, it says one person cannot do the work of four men. Four men uh, is the guy in charge of uh, construction guy, but the Yoruba, uh, uh, the Yoruba interpretation of that four man is like saying four people. So they will say in Yoruba that in your call, can share four man? Like one person cannot claim to be four people. And that's the greed. Some of us will think we can do it alone. We, can, we don't prepare uh, our leaders. And it's also lack of foresight. You know that, yes, there's going to be a time that strength will not be there. You don't prepare leaders. Thank you. Greed. If I, we, can't, we can't deal with that enough. Greed. That's it. Greed. You want to be dead to your guy. He's only in the, uh, there's, a, there's an African leader. He's only in Africa, I think, or maybe mostly in Africa. There's an African leader on wheelchair. And he's still the president of this country. On wheelchair. It is only in Africa that in, in, in advanced countries, people are looking forward to retirement. Presidents will tell you, I remember when Barack Obama was yeah, I'm looking forward to going to retire and be in a private uh, this thing, be a private citizen again. It is only in Africa at 95. And you still want to die on, the, on the, this thing. Okay, chapters 31 to 36. The Israelites took vengeance on the Midianites and camp on the plains of Moab, punish sin and lock the door against the appearance of evil. Compare these verses, 12, 3, uh, okay, because of time, uh, let's just, let's wrap up now. Let's wrap up. Uh, how did Moses prefigure our Lord Jesus Christ? Uh, Moses was like the savior to the people of Israel, to the Israelites, to the nation of Israel. He went to take them from the uh, captivity of slavery. Jesus also came to deliver us from the slavery of sin, captivity of sin. Uh, conclusion, the book of Numbers has revealed to us the goodness and severity of God. The severity of God is seen in the death and rebellious, in the death of the rebellious generation in the wilderness, those who never enter the promised land. The goodness of God is revealed in the new generation. God protected, preserved, and provided for these people until they possessed the land. This reminds us of the justice and love of God, which are always in sovereign harmony. These events were written as examples for believers. Sin and unbelief, especially rebellion, usually bring the judgment of God upon anyone. Let us also note that while it may be necessary to pass through wilderness experience, one does not have to live or die there. So this book tells us the two sides of God. God was severe in his judgment and was also loving. Uh, so we saw the people that um, saw the goodness of God, saw, saw, saw the people that saw the other side of God, uh, the rebellious uh, people. God will bless us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Just in the next uh, five to ten minutes, do you have any question uh, before we pray? Just say about three or four prayer points and then we close. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's be on our feet. Let's begin to thank God for a wonderful session. Let's thank God for uh, speaking to us Himself. You know, appreciate the name of the Lord. Father, we give you glory. Father, we thank you. Thank you for speaking to us Yourself. Thank you, Jesus, for this lesson. Thank you, Jesus, for Your grace. Lord, we give You glory. Father, we give You glory. Father, we give You glory. Father, we give You glory. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's thank God for his readiness to take us to the land of Canaan. That's our heavenly places, our heavenly home. We 
we know that this world is not our own, but we are going to a place uh, uh, in heaven. Let's begin to appreciate the name of the Lord. Let's thank Him for taking us to heaven, for His preparation to take us to heaven. Oh Lord, we give you glory. Father, we give you glory. Father, we give you glory. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we give you glory for preparing us for a better place. For this world is not our own. Father, we give you glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's ask the Lord to deliver us from errors and presumptuous sins. Let's, take, let's ask him to deliver us from errors and presumptuous sins. That will not see the, oh, the severe side of God. Child of you to pray. Father, Lord, please, you deliver us from errors and presumptuous sins. In the name of Jesus, you deliver us from errors and presumptuous sins. In the name of Jesus. Lord, the, sin, the kind of errors and sins that will, that, that will take, that will take your, your, your grace away from us. Lord, you deliver us from it. In the name of Jesus, you deliver us from it. In the name of Jesus, you deliver us from it. In the name of Jesus, you deliver us from it. In the name of Jesus, you deliver us from errors and presumptuous sins. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Say, I refuse to die without getting to my Canaan. Lord, just turn that to prayers. I refuse to die without getting to my Canaan. In the name of Jesus, I refuse to die without getting to my Canaan. In the name of Jesus, I refuse to die without getting to my Canaan. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I will get to my Canaan land. In the name of Jesus, you will take me home. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Father, we thank you for this time in your presence. Thank you for your word that you sent to us at this time. Father, we say be exalted in the name of Jesus. Amen. Lord, we pray as we leave this place, we will get out of this place with, 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 with a renewed zeal to serve you to the end in the name of Jesus. We will leave this place with renewed zeal to serve you to the end in the name of Jesus. We will not die on the road in the name of Jesus. We will get to the promised land both physically and spiritually in the name of Jesus. Lord, we'll get to our Canaan land in the name of Jesus. I pray, Lord, every one of us that is taking you for granted, taking the people close to us for granted, you give us the grace to repent of it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Father. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Son, and the communion of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with us now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Amen in Jesus' name. Three powerful hallelujahs unto the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. God bless you.